Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. The marvelous galaxy. The uh, Disney, yeah. Hello, and welcome to this week's marvelous galaxy of Disney. I'm here with Alan. Hello, I'm Alan. You and Alan look so much alike. I keep forgetting who I'm talking to. Well, I mean, we are brothers. We come from the same mother. Oh, jeez. So. <laughs> Alan is in Vegas, so I'm stuck with Chris again. Oh, it's so awful to have to be stuck <laughs> with me. <laughs> so we have a lot of information for you today. Um, a Marvel show gets an update like five months after it was on. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A restaurant at the Disneyland Hotel is permanently closing. Uh, We have extended hours for hotel guests coming back. We have new uh, stuffed animals at Build-A-Bear. A A Laffeteria has popped up. Uh, Star Warship is losing its name. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And, of course, we have a review for you on Loki, and we have a little more information on Sylvie for you today. Yes, we do. I'm so excited to talk about that. Loki was so good. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. So this happened about a week ago. It came in just after we recorded, of course. But so if you've already heard this, I'm sorry, but WandaVision got a random update. Yeah, that was kind of strange for me. Uh, I see what you did there. So here's the thing. I just watched through the old footage and the new footage. Mostly what got updated is when we're panning into the shack. I'll call it a shack. Our cabin in the woods Ooh, <laughs> that uh, Wanda is staying in. There's like green trees everywhere now where it's before it was all just kind of like dead trees. Very few trees. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a random like duck in the water and the duck has been removed. So when I actually watched the footage... I don't think it's Doctor Strange. Oh. I'm not sure. Because if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch it now. The post credit scene in WandaVision, the last episode, it almost looks like there's this shadowy figure coming towards the cabin or almost like a, a transparent figure. Okay. But it's hard to tell if it's like a lens flare or if it was purposely like Doctor Strange. The one thing that, that adds maybe some credence to it being Doctor Strange is that uh, in the credits now it says music from Doctor Strange was used. Oh, so it didn't say that before? It didn't say that before. The music was there by Michael Giacchino. Mm -hmm. So they already kind of mixed that music into the music at the end, but now it actually says music from Doctor Strange. Ah, that's really interesting. And I mean, I haven't seen the end credit yet, but I mean, I mean, I haven't rewatched the end credit. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely saw WandaVision. It was amazing. I loved it. But um, yeah, I think that's really interesting that like one, they even chose to uh, to redo that end scene. But then also five months later, like you would think if there was something like that important that they would be like, hey, like we need to update this so that like it makes sense. They would have done it relatively quickly after it was originally aired. And then I would think they would have made like a bigger announcement about it. Be like, Hey, check this out. This is important. Right. That's kind of why I, I want it to be Dr. Strange, but it's so subtle. I don't know anymore, but, um, something that Kevin Feige has talked about recently is apparently (laughs) this is a slap in the face to both Alan and me. 
Apparently, the commercials throughout WandaVision were originally intended to be messages from Doctor Strange to Wanda. That was the only way he could get through to her. Ah, that's interesting. I think that makes sense. Well, and you said that was the original concept, right? That was the original concept. Okay. Because I think, like, in in context of because we know that Doctor Strange and uh, Wanda will be the stars of Doctor Strange 2 obviously mm-hmm. so like I think in context that makes sense but I think the way they went about it made a little bit more sense just because it's like well they're not trying to show Doctor Strange quite yet um, especially throughout the show so I think just having him randomly try to reach out to her is it would be kind of like well it's like a missed opportunity I think yeah, and along with that concept, they were going to have, like, it was explained in a YouTube video, uh, like, in Fight Club, when it just randomly shows Brad Pitt as, like, cut-in footage, Doctor Strange was going to pop up like that. Ah. He was going to, like, turn into the pharmacist real quick, <laughs> like, a real quick blink, and then, of course, he was supposed to show up at the end of the show, which is, you know, a nod to him and Wanda exploring the multiverse of madness. Right. So, yeah, this is a weird thing that we're having shows changed after they've already aired. And apparently I haven't been able to verify this yet because I haven't watched through it again. But apparently there are small tweaks throughout the whole show as well. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting, too. So we're definitely going to have to go back and rewatch and see if we can point them out for ourselves. Agreed, because we have so much extra time to do this. Exactly. (laughs) All the free time. So one of the theories as to why things were changed is now that Multiverse is ramping up to shoot, they're thinking that the cabin in the woods (laughs) is going to be um, part of Multiverse of Madness, and they had to match the scene to match what's going to be in Multiverse. Ah, now, I feel like that actually makes sense. Yeah. And then one thing that was even pointed out that I didn't even think about is when we're coming into the cabin, we truck through, you know, through the mountains, through the woods, into the cabin all in one shot, which is actually something that Sam Raimi, who's the director of Multiverse of Madness and the original three Spider-Man trilogy, he's very famous for his one shot pan-ins and craziness in the Evil Dead movies, which, funny enough, is where the Cabin in the Woods song I've been singing comes from, (laughs) Evil Dead the Musical. I knew that. I knew that. So they also think this last post credit scene is not only a nod to his filmmaking, but a lead into what has become his film. Ah, I actually really like that. Touche. And I, you know, I'm just so excited for Multiverse of Madness. Like, those are two of my favorite characters in the MCU in general. So just the fact that they're getting movies together is like, mind blowing. Yeah, I think that movie's going to be everything. I think it is. I really do. <laughs> I think it's going to open up so many doors for Marvel. And I think it's going to be kind of the basis of Phase 4. <laughs> that, that, yeah, no, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. All right. So Victoria, who was on the show a few weeks ago, she used to tell me all the time about this restaurant, about how yummy it is. It's the best steak she's ever had. She just recently told the guy she's dating, like, we're going to go there as soon as it's opening. I had the pleasure, (laughs) (laughs) pleasure, pleasure of telling Vicky just last night. Hey, guess what? It's never reopening. 
Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm referring to Steakhouse 55, which is in the Disneyland Hotel. So Disneyland Hotel is reopening, reopening a lot of the restaurants, but Steakhouse 55, unfortunately, will not reopen. So there will be no, like, last hurrah, let's go there one last time. No, it's gone. Oh, that is unfortunate. Did they close down during the pandemic? Yeah, I guess it's just part of the reopen plan. They just decided not to reopen the steakhouse for some reason. And I don't know if I ever got to eat there. I think I might have been there once. Okay. But it's very similar to like Ruth's Chris where it's, you know, very expensive steak, very good steak. But I've heard from Victoria that it's more better. Oh, well, I've definitely never been. So I'm not really missing out, I guess. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Sorry, Vicky, for your favorite restaurant. I guess the odds were not in her favor. The odds were not in her favor. Would you like to know why I saw Victoria last night? Why did you see Victoria last night? Thank you for asking. Um, All the lemonades. So you may want to check this out in your area. I believe it's already over, though, by the time this podcast comes out. But the restaurant Lemonade actually set up as the Lafeteria. Oh, what is the Lafeteria? Please tell us. The Lafeteria is a restaurant featured in Monsters at Work. The new Monsters, Inc. show coming out on Disney Plus on July 7th. Ooh, like in a few days. In a few days. Yeah, it focuses on different monsters from like the Monsters, Inc. universe and their life at work being a monster. So if you went to Lemonade this past weekend, uh, they give out uh, special food items inspired by Monsters, Inc. Like the one that I tried was a Brussels sprout salad. It was so good. Ooh, it's so good. <laughs> Look at you all healthy and delicious uh, with your Brussels sprout salad. This was like the most expensive, like healthy food ever. It was so <laughs> good, though, because I also got uh, it's called El Tijuana. Okay. It was a sandwich that had, like, chicken and, like, all the stuff on it. It was so good. Ooh, that sounds yummy. And I got a cucumber mint lemonade. That sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) Awfully good, I know. Um, They also gave out, like, a little badge that you'd use for work with, like, a monster on it. All the badges had the same monster. I thought it would have been cuter to get a different one. And apparently there were stickers. Apparently we're too old for stickers. Rude. They didn't give us stickers. You are never too old for stickers. I would write a very strongly worded letter. I will. And I'll sign it Karen. (laughs) Karen from Marvelous Galaxy of Disney. Um, Because when we were leaving, we saw a kid with the stickers. And by then, it was kind of like, do we really need the stickers? But I should have gotten the stickers. Right. It's the principle. But I think it's cute that they did this. I was, it was really funny because all day working up to going to Lemonade, I was like, oh my God, it's going to be so busy. <laughs> We're going to there's nobody there. Well, see, first off, you'd have to know what Lemonade is because when you told <laughs> me about it, I had never heard of it. So that could be a possibility as to why. Okay. <laughs> all right. And we have, uh, last week we got a new trailer for Shang-Chi. Oh, so that popped up onto my YouTube and I meant to watch it and I completely forgot about it. It's just been a busy week. Did you watch it already? Who do you think you're talking to? I should have known. Uh-huh. So now my next question is, why didn't you watch it with me? Because I don't like you. Oh, my God, listeners. Did you hear what he said to me? Are you going to allow him to treat me this way? Yes. Rude. Um, so the biggest thing about the Shang-Chi trailer is in the very end, there's like a uh, fight going on in like a fighting ring. And 
in that ring is Wong from Doctor Strange versus Abomination. Wow. Yeah, and specifically the Abomination from the Incredible Hulk movie. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, does that mean that we're going to be experiencing some time travel within uh, Shang-Chi as well? Or are we going to be seeing some multiverse stuff through Shang-Chi as well? Like, now I'm curious. No, the Incredible Hulk was actually part of the MCU. Who? I know. <laughs> That's how people remember that movie, because that was when Edward Norton was Bruce Banner. And Liv Tyler was uh, Betty Brant. Oh, yeah. And technically, that was like the first movie that started the whole interconnectivity because that was when uh, um, uh, Nick Fury showed up and met with Bruce. Is that what happened? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember what happened. It was Black Widow. No, she wasn't around yet. Yeah, I think it was. Nick Fury showed up in the end, and that was what tied Iron Man and uh, Incredible Hulk together. Ah, it's been so long since I've seen some of the, like, earlier movies. I'd have to go back and rewatch them to remember what even happened. Yeah, so I feel like they've been slowly, like, legitimizing (laughs) the Incredible Hulk movie, which for a long time people were like, is it part of it or not? So, uh, uh, Abomination was played by Tim Roth in that. Okay. We've also seen, uh, General Thunderbolt Ross played by William Hurt. He slowly showed up in like Civil War and different movies. Um, the questions I would have is we also saw Samuel Stearns played by Tim Blake Nelson in that movie. Does that spark any, uh, remembrance in your mind? No, you know I'm bad with names. Oh. <laughs> so in the movie, Samuel Stearns was almost like an evil scientist, and there's a point when he got thrown on the ground and, like, gamma fluid was falling on his head, which would make his head grow, which would make his head very large and make him green and may make him the leader. I don't follow where you're going. He's the leader. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we got, like, a tease of the leader in that movie. So it makes me wonder, like, we're getting all these characters. Is the leader going to be another one that comes out eventually? Wow. I don't even remember that happening. Wow. I really need to go back and watch that so I can get a refresher on, like, all the things that I missed out. Not that I missed out on, but just because it's been so long. So that way, when these things come up, I can be like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Well, do you want to know something crazy? Tell me about it. Because I think here's the thing. I think when we watched The Incredible Hulk, we weren't as into stuff outside of X-Men yet as we are now. So that's why I think we didn't notice some of this stuff. Ah, that's very true. Because mm-hmm. I, I must say, because I remember even when, you know, the MCU started, it was like, it's really exciting. But it was we were very much like, but where are the mutants? Like, those are <laughs> things. Like, this is who we grew up with. This is what we know Marvel to be is the mutants. So I think I agree with that. It was like, it's exciting, but we were still kind of like, mm, not sold quite yet. Right. Okay, yeah. So some exciting stuff there. Hopefully we see more characters come out of the Incredible Hulk. Definitely. All right. Let's go ahead and move on. So Disneyland has announced early entry and extended hours are back for hotel guests. 
Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah. So basically, if you're staying at the hotel, they open up the park like an hour early usually so that you can get in a little bit early. Oh, that's pretty cool. I, I like that they actually see. I didn't know that. And I like that they actually give a perk to people that are paying to stay there. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. You're pretty cool. Wow. She said something nice. You're nice. <laughs> So speaking of nice, we actually, I feel like this happens all the time. And I always ask myself, like, why does this happen? We got a possible spoiler for Spider-Man No Way Home because of a Lego set. Oh, really? Yeah. So they put out a big Lego set. And in that set, it's like a Daily Bugle set, I think. Mm -hmm. And in that set, there's this large enemy vehicle looking thing. I think Power Rangers. Okay. But it's... In the shape of a scorpion. Oh, no. <laughs> a scorpion. A scorpion. What could that ever mean? Could that mean that there'll be a bird-like villain? Birds don't exist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so if you remember all the way back in Homecoming, Max Gargan, who is the scorpion, was in that movie. I do remember. So people are thinking, well, we already have him. Is he going to, like, is the MCU version of Scorpion going to be him driving, like, a very big scorpion type Zord? Hmm, that would be really interesting. I think that'd be kind of a, a fun and different way to introduce him, but I guess we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I can't wait for that movie. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. You know how much I love Spider-Man. And then, like, just the fact that we have him, like, actually in the MCU, we know that whatever they do is going to be amazing. And I think it's great because Marvel recognizes they're like, hey, the Spider-Man origin story has been done a million times. We all know where Spider-Man comes from. Let's just put him in and move move forward with the story. Okay, listeners. Listeners, I've been looking at my phone to find something. I thought I was crazy for a minute because he's not in the credits and I couldn't find it on Wikipedia, but I finally found what I was looking for. Back to the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> this is why I left a little bit of a cliffhanger. Amadeus Cho is in the movie. He was. Yes, it is confirmed. He was. I thought he was. I don't know why I couldn't find anything. He was portrayed by Martin Starr. Okay. Which, funny enough, I think that's the same actor who plays uh, in Spider-Man. <laughs> plays as who? The teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is. That's so weird. He played two characters. <laughs> well, you know, if you do a good job, you get used again. Yeah. So those of you who don't know, Amadeus Cho is one of the smartest people on Earth. Um, he was not played by an Asian person in MCU. Oh, really? So maybe that's why they're ignoring that it was a Martin Starr. Ah. But he actually eventually uh, turns into the totally awesome Hulk. Yeah, he's really an interesting one, though I don't know a lot about him. I know him more so from our game, Marvel Puzzle Quest. <laughs> yeah, so he he turned himself into a Hulk, which he was kind of a, a comedic Hulk because he fuels his Hulkdom by food. <laughs> So he's just always hungry. <laughs> that makes sense because he has a power in the game where he just eats uh, like a hot, like he tips over a hot dog cart and yep. just downs <laughs> all the hot dogs and it refuel, re, ugh, my God, talking is hard, refuels his health. Yep. 
And then eventually he uh, is losing control over Totally Awesome Hulk. And um, he kind of becomes a hybrid. He's stuck in this form that's like less strong than Hulk, but he's still green, but he's more strong than he was as Cho. But he kind of retains his, his intelligence. So now he goes by Braun. <laughs> that's so amazing. I love it. <laughs> and he's mostly with the... Um, the champions, and then also lately the agents of Atlas. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Like, does he do anything that you'd say like really makes him stand out, or is he known in any like big events? Mm, he's more so like the leader of the team. Okay. I think he's just there to like bring people together. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's pretty cool. And they have hinted that we are going to get an agents of Atlas show spinoff from WandaVision. Wow. So I talked recently on this podcast about how I'd love to see Amadeus Cho and some of the international heroes that have come about since WandaVision or before WandaVision. I agree. And I think just to see, you know, well, I mean, I feel like we're already getting so much more character variety at this point. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them trying to branch out to even more I guess, like, unknown or niche heroes. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd be excited for that. Yeah, I'm there for that. What I'm also there for, Build-A-Bear announced two new, I guess, stuffed animals, you'd call them? Bears? They're not bears. What are they? One of them is a loath cat from Star Wars. They're adorable. And the other one, even more adorable a Jawa. Ooh, oh, my God, that would be so cute. I would probably get a Jawa. I don't know what the loath cat is. I'll show you later, but you've seen them. But they're not as featured as Jawas in the movie. They're kind of more background, but they do have merchandise because they're adorable. Okay. They're adorable. (laughs) Adorable. They're so cute. Have you ever been to Build-A-Bear? No, I've never been to Build-A-Bear. Of course I've been to Build-A-Bear. I I have a stuffed Jolteon in my room. I didn't know that was from Build-A-Bear. Duh. Duh. We have a Snorlax in our room. I know you do. He's adorbs. I, I'm trying very hard not to steal it because I want it. That You, you would be the worst thief ever because I'd be like, it's there in your room. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just be like, no. You live across not, the hall no, from me. No, no, no. Uh, that's across not, the Chris Hall. No. I see what you did there and it's not cute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we also recently watched Luca. Did you get a chance to watch it yet? I still haven't had oh, time. Oh, jeez. So there's a lot of talk right now about Luca. Um, Entertainment Weekly actually just wrote an article about how Luca was queer coded, but not fully gay. So I heard about that. I was talking to my sister about it and she was saying how they, they kind of, she, because she just watched it recently and she was saying how there were a lot of like gay undertones, but apparently Disney like came out and said like, this is not specifically a gay thing, so I don't really know. Do you remember what the term queer coded means? No. Re- okay, because uh, years ago we went to a uh, uh, Whedon Con, which celebrates Josh Whedon, and we went to a panel where they talked about queer people in sci fi. And they talked about the term queer coding, which is basically where somebody shows the signs of being gay, but they're not. They're not said to be gay. So, for example, they talked a lot about General Hux in the the last trilogy part of the Star Wars. Right. About how he has very queer-coded tendencies about him. So I think part of it is, like, looking at stereotypes. Yes. Which I know, as a society, we're trying to get away from. 
but I think this is still a valid, uh, what's the word conversation to have, because until we get characters that are actually gay, we got to take it where we can. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I know you've never had a problem taking it where you can. This is not that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I totally agree. Uh, like, I think, I, and so I know how you said, you know, we're trying to get away from stereotypes, that type of thing. But like, the thing is, is about stereotypes is stereotypes are based off facts. And so sometimes those stereotypes, especially in our community, actually kind of help us identify each other. Um, so I think having being able to have characters where even if they don't specifically say this is a queer character, but like they have those tendencies, it allows the people that are looking for characters to identify with to have a character that they, for their story can be like, Hey, like I kind of identify with this character. I like that they have this. And because, you know, every person falls in love with a character for a different reason. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually think that's actually a good thing. Yeah. And I actually think Luca would have been, an even better movie for them just saying like these boys are gay. <laughs> I mean, it it's very much written on the, on the water. <laughs> right. Right. It's very much a little mermaid story where his parents don't understand him. He runs away and finds somebody like him. And there's a lot of scenes of them putting their arms around each other are just being very affectionate towards each other, which I know is not like out of the question for straight people or for non-queer people to do, but it very much felt like that. Okay. Yeah. See, I still need to watch it. So that way I can give my actual input. So I mm -hmm. need to like find a time to set aside to do that. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard this talked about in the past and I think one of the big things that's uh, hindering queer characters in Disney and Pixar, I don't want to sound like a past president here, but China, <laughs> <laughs> because typically movies with queer characters don't do as well in China and they're a big money maker for Disney. Ah. And that's also kind of why we got that episode of South Park <laughs> where, um, was it Stan's dad? He gets yes. lost in China and Mickey's yes. like trying to control yes. everything. <laughs> oh my God. That episode was amazing. Yeah. But actually I think that that actually makes a lot of sense because you know, at the end of the day, it's about the, the dollars, you know what I mean? And yeah. if, you, if you have to, you know, cut out a character or whatever. So that way your biggest market isn't, uh, basically outcasting you. They're going to do what they got to do. Yeah. That was actually, I first learned about all this with, uh, Poe and Finn mm -hmm. because even the actors wanted to be gay for each other, even wow. though they're, you know, straight cis men. As far as I know, I don't know too much about both actors except for they're both very attractive and both made my top five hottest Star Wars list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, even they spoke out saying that they support it and actually, um, Poe's character, he said he purposely played him that way because he felt like it added to the characters. Wow, that's really awesome. Yeah, and the only thing that kept Disney from letting it happen was apparently that the movies may not do as well in China. Well, that is rather unfortunate, but hopefully, you know, somewhere down the line, we'll get to a point where we can comfortably add in these gay characters and it won't matter. Yeah, I know. I feel like Disney is doing the best they can right now by, you know, they did add the lesbian kiss in Rise of Skywalker. They did have Maurice be gay in Beauty and the Beast. Like, I feel like they're pushing the envelope as much as they can for the American audiences without losing too much 
sway in China. Right. But I would like them to just eventually just go hog and just do it. Absolutely. You know what? Put it on Disney Plus. Like Right. Like it doesn't you know, it doesn't have to be a major theatrical release, though we would prefer it. Yeah. But I mean, like if you have to start small and work your way up, like we're gonna be okay with that. Mm-hmm. All right, but enough about that. Let's move on. So I was really intrigued to have this conversation with you. So I'll start here. (laughs) Years ago in Robot Chicken Star Wars, they had this really quick scene and I remember dying. I thought it was so funny and nobody else in the room got it because you have to be like a Star Wars fan to get this. And I feel like a lot of people don't even know this, but the scene was a really quick blurb of Lando standing on a platform with Boba Fett and Boba Fett's ship is in the background and Lando says, hey, cool ship. Not a big fan of the name, though. And that was it. It just <laughs> cut to the next scene. And I thought it was so funny because if you know the name of Boba Fett's ship, it's the Slave One. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it's so, so funny. I do remember that episode. And I think I was too young at the time to understand the <laughs> reference. And now that you're bringing it up again, I'm like, wow, that is really funny. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what sparks this whole conversation because Disney has announced that they're dropping the name of Boba Fett's ship. It is no longer the Slave One. We don't know if that's like canon throughout the movies, at least on merchandise. It's no longer being referred to as a Slave One because of Slave being. Yeah. So what is your thought on that? Um, so, I mean, I actually think that that's a good thing. So I'm the type of person that I feel like I'm generally pretty, um, it's easy for me to separate like, okay, they decided to name this ship slave one. Like that's just what it's called. It's supposed to be kind of like the, the mysterious, like bounty hunter. Like he always, you know, gets his mark. Like it's supposed to be edgy. So like, I'm able to separate that and be like, okay, he's not actually like, um, being like, oh, I'm trying to capture slaves or whatever. But I understand, like, why that would have a negative connotation. And I totally support them changing the name to make it more, uh, I guess, not friendly, but, like, acceptable. Okay. Well, the actor who played Boba Fett in the re-release, who was the one with uh, Jabba when they confronted Solo in uh, A New Hope, he spoke out against this. I'm actually a little more on his side because I don't think it has to specifically reference that type of slave. And like when I think about specifically Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi, she's wearing what's called the Slave Leia outfit. Mm -hmm. So now are we going to change that term too? Oh, that's very interesting. I never would have thought about it from that perspective. Yeah, I just think changing the name in a sci-fi thing that's not even referencing that. Like, I don't know. I understand why, like, for example, Lady Antebellum changed her name because it directly is a, it, it, what's references, you know, something Mm -hmm. directly linked to black slavery, whereas Slave One being a ship in a movie has nothing to do with it. Right, absolutely. And that's kind of where I was saying, like, I'm able to, like, separate and be like, okay, this has nothing to do with, like, black slaves specifically. Mm -hmm. But I think this is probably just Disney's attempt to try to, like, quote-unquote please everyone because there are going to be those people out there that are going to be like, this is not right, this is offensive, blah, 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 uh, that type of thing. So I feel like I'm more on your side of being like, hey, like, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm like, 
keep if you keep it. Okay, Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes some time. Um, but yeah, like I'm like, if they keep it, like I'm not gonna be offended because you know I get it. Like like I said, it's edgy, it's fine, it has nothing to do with slaves in like black slaves specifically. But also, I understand they're trying to be politically correct. They're trying to make sure that people don't feel uncomfortable. So, like, I'm fine with it either way. Okay. And you're less connected to Star Wars, I think. So that's fair. <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm i not going to go, like, rally in the streets with a sign and say, <laughs> save Slave One. Um, you of all people should do that. <laughs> I will do that. You can take pictures and I'll post it. Um, I just feel like... I feel like we're kind of on a slippery slope. I think that's my ma- my biggest concern. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm kind of where you are. It's kind of he- neither here nor there. We are changing a, p- a piece of my childhood, right. which is a little harder for me because I love Star Wars. But I just feel like maybe we're going too far the other way at this point. And I'm afraid of what may continue to happen to media. Well, and I feel like it's all part of our recent cancel culture where yeah. it's like if there's Anything like no matter how minute it may be that is like slightly or somewhat politically incorrect, we're like, we have to cancel it. Like this can't happen, blah, blah, blah. And I I worry about that in general in media too, because I feel like it, it affects so many industries, honestly, like it, like you said, it affects the movies. It affects these things that, you know, are ingrained from our childhood. I feel like it really affects the com the comedy industry because like, it's so, um, uh, what's the word? It's like you're walking on eggshells because you don't know what you can and can't say without offending someone. Right. So, I, yeah, I think it's sometimes it is a little bit much. Yeah. And I'm not to say like every single change that's happened is bad. I'm definitely not. You know, I don't want to sound like a grump like that. Like I do support other things that have happened. Like, for example, Disney taking out like the genders from welcome boys and girls and to welcome everyone so that everybody's included. That's a great change. Absolutely. But yeah, I think. Yeah, because that's not really that right there. That's not really like canceling. That's more so making sure that everyone Mm -hmm. is included. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like like the the slave one reference is more of a like a cancel. Yeah. You know, so I'm actually really interested in what uh, you listeners think. So actually, in order to better give you a voice just last night. I set up magichavocpro at gmail.com. Oh, what is that, Sean? It's an email, Chris. Oh, so what? Like, I just write a letter Shut up. and send it to the email? You're bringing back PTSD <laughs> of my job. <laughs> so Magic Havoc Pro, uh, Pro stands for professional, um, is just a way for... All of you listeners, to let us know how we're doing, voice your opinions on anything we talk about, let us know anything you want us to talk about. Um, And this email is good. I set it up purposely this way so that you can email me on any of my three shows and I will get it and I will link it to the show that it belongs to. That is awesome. Just more ways for viewers to give all the amazing reviews. People are watching us? Yes. I'm not even wearing a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) By viewers, I meant listeners. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then, of course, uh, we're very present on Instagram. We still don't have a Twitter, even though we keep saying we should start a Twitter. I don't like Twitter, though. But, um, yeah, Instagram or the email are the best ways to get a hold of us. Let us know how we're doing. We want to hear from you. We absolutely do. Mm Mm-hmm. 
All right, so I made Chris watch something the other night. We watched uh, on Disney Plus. Well, actually, technically not on Disney Plus. Sponsored by Disney Plus, but you can find it on YouTube if you type in "This Is Me," the Disney Plus Pride celebration. That was such an amazing watch. It was hosted by one of Sean's favorite queens, Nina West. Um, and it, it was just, it was so cute. And basically what they did is they had all these different, um, LGBTQ plus artists, uh, doing their own renditions of well-known Disney songs. Yeah. So some of the other specifics. So you said Nina West hosted, she was a great host. Uh, she brought in Kermit, Kermit the frog. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and I really liked the Kermit thread that they had because Kermit was trying to find the best look for himself. Right, and that was really cool. And at one point, Nina said, you need to do what makes you feel like you. Yeah. And then they had a uh, spot from D Capella, who is a acapella group who sang uh, This Is Me. And then they also had uh, Todrick Hall. That's right. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. They had Haley Kiyoko. They had... Um, uh, oh, Jackie Cox. That's right. Yeah, Jackie Cox did uh, Agatha all along. She's from uh, Drag Race. They also had two of the stars from High School Musical, the musical, the series, <laughs> <laughs> seeing A Whole New World. So yeah, it was cute. They uh, they had a gender fluid person sing another song, the really sad song from Toy, Toy Story. Story 2, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I really like seeing our people represented for a whole new generation. Yeah, I think that was super amazing, and uh, I just I love to see, uh, especially you know when we were talking about how like Disney is kind of like touchy on like queer characters in their. Um, and their films or that type of thing. But like, we love to see that they're supporting us either way. And they're like, Hey, you know, we're going to sponsor this. Like Nina West, please do this, put this out there. So I think that's amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. (laughs) So yeah. And Nina West looked fabulous in every single one of her outfits that she did. And yeah, like you said, in the very end, uh, Kermit realized that he just wants to be himself. And that was such a great message to the youth, I think. It really is. And I mean, even not just the youth, like any queer person out there, because there's so many people that are that are older that are still closeted. You know what I mean? And so, like, I think it's just and not even just to queer people, like everybody has things about them that are like different or, quote unquote, not seen as the norm, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's just a great message to anyone out there is just like be yourself be true to who you are and just love yourself for who you are and feel comfortable in your own skin. Okay. And here we go. I just found it. So the gender fluid person who's saying, uh, when she loved me from toy story two, which was so sad. It was such a sad song. Like it was beautiful. Like she had a really great voice and everything, but it was they, they, excuse me. <laughs> they. Uh, their name is Jesse James Keitel. And the uh, the genie from the Broadway Aladdin, Michael James Scott, saying "Friend Like Me," Alex Newell saying uh, "Poor Unfortunate Souls" from Little Mermaid. That was amazing, by mm-hmm. the way. Todrick saying "You'll Be in My Heart" from Tarzan. Haley Hyoko saying "Kiss the Girl," another one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. 
And Nina and Kermit the Frog sang Rainbow Connection together, which was adorbs. And we mentioned it earlier, but Whole New World was sang by Frankie Rodriguez and Joe Serafina, which Nina West uh, uh, prefaced that with, wouldn't it be great to see two guys sing this to each other? And it was. It was. It was magical. It was so cute. Yeah, so, of course, uh, still look for this on YouTube. You could just type in This Is Me. You'll get a lot of videos of the song from <laughs> The Greatest Showman, but you'll also get The uh, Spectacular, which is still on there, and I definitely think it's worth the watch. Absolutely. So, before we get into our final segment of the show, my sister actually sent me something last night, and I wanted to tell you about it. What is it? So she sent me a comparison of the castles from every single Disney park. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'll post this. Where do you think there's six castles total in this image? Where do you think are their castle from Anaheim stands? Number three. It's number six. Wow. Ours is the smallest castle at 77. Oh, I would have thought six was the largest. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, okay. So we're the smallest. We're the smallest. Well, actually, we tie with Disney Hong Kong for the smallest castle at 77 feet. That's crazy. Yeah. So tell us about the other ones. So the next tallest castle is Disneyland Paris at... Over double the size, 167 feet. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next tallest, only one foot taller than Paris. They did that on purpose. <laughs> All right. Disneyland Tokyo, 168 feet. Okay. Uh, next is Walt Disney World Orlando at 189 feet. Wow. And at 120 feet larger than our Anaheim Castle, the largest Disneyland Park castle is Shanghai Disney at 197 feet. Dang, that's crazy. I need to go to Shanghai Disney. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I just thought that was interesting, and I'll post that for everybody to see the comparison. And thank you, little sister Jenny, for sending that, even though I know you don't listen to this podcast because you think my voice is terrible. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to go ahead and introduce a cover Disney for you. And then we're going to get into both our explanation of the character Sylvie from the Loki show. And then immediately after we talk about Sylvie, we're going to talk spoilers from episode four of Loki. Yes. Let's get into it. So today's cover Disney, I chose Poor Unfortunate Souls by Alex Newell. And why did you choose this, Sean? Because it's from This Is Me, and it's so good. I feel like Alex Newell did a perfect balance of these are things we expect to hear from this song, and these are things that I'm going to bring you to the song that are new, but you're still going to like it because I'm amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> like, And I even said it while we were watching it. I was like, this is absolutely amazing. And you know when you have specific songs from those older movies from your childhood and just the way they do it, it's all ingrained in your head and you just have an expectation. And it's just like you said, the way she did it, it was very much like kind of partially ingrained of the original style, but then she kind of brought her own style as well and added little nuances. And it was like, ooh, money. Yeah. And on top of that, she had her hair did. She had like this white kind of swirly hair going on and she was in a beautiful dress. 
So Alex, thank you for your rendition. It actually makes me, you've made me mad, Alex Newall. (laughs) (laughs) Because for the Ursula in the movie, I'm not going to harp on it too much. I love Melissa McCarthy. If you don't know, she was chosen to play it in the movie. I think she's a wonderful actress. I think she'll bring a fun Ursula to us. But I really wanted Disney to push the envelope a little bit more. This character is based on a drag queen. I've said for a long time, I would love to see Ginger Minj from RuPaul play Ursula because she can sing. She's got the looks, the pretty face. But after seeing Alex Newell, his rendition of this character, dang. Like, I would love to see him play Ursula absolutely like it it was it was spot on like like he really embodied ursula yeah Uh, it was just it was amazing i think melissa mccarthy is a very safe choice i think we're all gonna enjoy her like we usually do but it doesn't push the envelope at all i agree yeah i'll agree with that so yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. So here is a clip from Alex Newell's. Uh, of course, if you don't know who Alex Newell was, he was from Glee, the show. Um, but here's a piece of his rendition of Poor Unfortunate Souls. Poor Unfortunate Souls in pain, in need. This one longing to be thinner, that one wants to get the girl, and do I help them? Yes, indeed. Those poor unfortunate souls, so sad, so true. They come flocking to my cold and crying spells. I also please and I help them. Yes, I do. Now it's happened once or twice. Someone couldn't pay the price. And I'm afraid I had to rake them across the coals. Yes, I've had the odd complaint. But on the whole, I've been a saint. For those poor unfortunate souls. How was it hearing that song again, Chris? Did you love it? I loved every minute of it. We only played like less than a minute. I loved every second of it. (laughs) Okay, good. All right, so now that we've gotten a little bit more about Sylvie on Loki, I thought we'd come back to her and talk about kind of the origins of this character and where she comes from. Did you know that she's been in the comics? I did not. I know that... Uh, Loki has taken on female personas, but I did not know that Sylvie specifically was in the comics. Yeah, it didn't it didn't trigger anything in my mind right away when they said her name. But then I started thinking, like, who is she? And I've seen her. She got introduced in the Dark Reign saga, specifically in Dark Reign Young Avengers number one in July 2009. She's actually she goes by the moniker Enchantress. Oh, so she is Enchantress. Or she's one of them. Yeah, she's a a new Enchantress. Okay. So I've seen her as Enchantress. I just didn't know the full backstory as to why there was a second Enchantress. So basically, Loki, just to mess with people, gave her godlike Asgardian powers while she slept. Wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So since she now had these powers, she was inspired by Enchantress. So she put on an outfit almost similar to Enchantress, only a little more revealing. (laughs) And she became a second Enchantress. 
that's pretty cool. I like that. It's different. Yeah. So in the comics, she is not another Loki. She is her own character. Okay. But she was created by Loki. So I know by the end of episode three, people were speculating, like, is this supposed to be a different character? Is she just messing with Loki or is she actually Loki? But we see here's where the spoilers start. In episode four, we see she is, in fact, a version of Loki who just happens to go by Sylvie. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of her way of, I guess, not distancing herself, but like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess like identifying herself. Making her own persona. Right. Exactly. Yeah, rather than just calling herself Wolverine Loki. when Wolverine died. Exactly. X-23 what? <laughs> Hashtag still bitter. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> so one thing that I noticed upon watching episode four is I thought it was funny that they mentioned real quick that the uh, when they captured the variant, she enchanted someone. And I was like, oh, I see what I you see did what there. You there. I see what you did there. So, yeah. So in this episode, it starts off with Loki and Sylvie being brought back in by the variant and they're held captive. Loki's told that Sylvie is dead, which he's very upset about because he's fallen in love with the girl. What? You can't fall in love with yourself. Oh, I would. (laughs) (laughs) We actually had a very weird conversation on hanging with the Hollowells about like what you do if you had another version of yourself. And we cannot talk about that on this show. Oh, because we are family friendly. (laughs) (laughs) We will stay family friendly. It got weird, though. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) So um, he's now fallen in love with Sylvie and he's able to break himself and Sylvie out of confinement. And they go to find the creators of the TVA to find this very Wizard of Oz-esque, like, three people who all look very similar to to Kang the Conqueror. They all, to me, especially the one in the middle, looked almost just like Kang. I was almost like, is this supposed to be Kang? I think you even said that when we watched. You were like, was that Kang? But then we find out it's not because they cut off, quote-unquote, Kang's head, and he's a robot. Yeah. <laughs> and that real... Well, I mean, not through me for a loop, but it also, you know, through the Loki's in for a loop because Sylvie, she, all this time she was kind of like, well, it's funny. Uh, it was Loki's original plan to overthrow the timekeepers, but then Sylvie, she kind of had her own, not so much like I want to overthrow them, but like, I just want to kind of get revenge on them for taking my life from me type thing. So when she, because she's the one that actually cuts off the head and then they discover that it's all fake and she kind of almost loses her bearing. Cause she was like, I went through all of this for years and it's not even mm-hmm. real. Yeah. So, um, and then while Loki is about to tell Sylvia about his love for her, he is killed from behind. He is erased. Yes. Yes. Like that was like, Whoa, did not see that coming. Um, and it's, and like Sylvie is just left like stunned. She's like, Oh my God, this just happened. But then she instantly kicks into like, rage mode and she's like oh no i'm taking this chick down that just did this yep so then after the credits the post-credit scene we see uh loki wakes up somewhere with grass that'll probably be changed later (laughs) there'll be more grass added (laughs) um he wakes up to the old school looking loki in like the ghetto outfit Mm -hmm. a black loki a kid loki and an iguana lizardy loki Wait, I don't remember the iguana one. I remember the other three. Kid Loki's holding it. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. Now, Chris, are you ready for your mind to be blown? Blow my mind, Sean. Did you recognize the old school looking Loki? 
I mean, I recognize the outfit. Well, the man in the outfit is Richard E. Grant, and you may recognize him from a small movie from the 90s called Spice World. Is it Clifford? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) You just got mind everywhere. It Uh, blew so... Oh, my God. Like, so many mind blown. (laughs) That is amazing. Yeah. I I mean, it showed it so quickly. Like, there was no way I would have picked up on that. Oh, after you left the room, I, like, paused. (laughs) (laughs) And I watched the episode again last night before I went to bed. That's amazing. You're amazing. I try. Thank you. So before we get into where we think it's going from here, let's talk about uh, your favorite scene. Loki is caught in a time loop. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, if you have not watched episode four of Loki, this is by far the best scene in the entire in the entire episode. After his shirt gets ripped off, of course. But go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So when they originally uh, captured him from because, as we know, him and Sylvie kind of escaped in episode three. So they they get they come back, they capture them. And then as his punishment, uh, Mobius throws him into this time loop where he's reliving having cut off Sif's hair. And then uh, Sif comes in and basically tells him, you're the worst. You're going to be alone forever. You deserve it. She punches him in the face and then she needs him. I'm not sure if it's in the balls or in the it stomach. Is. It's the, yeah. Um, so it's really bad. And he has to, <laughs> this loops like five times where she just keeps coming back, repeating the same thing, doing the same action before he finally starts to realize, like, I need to be a good person and like apologize for this. Yeah, I love that aspect of the show because we're seeing Loki being forced to change his ways, but in a fun, funny way. It's not like being hammered into us. Right. And what I think is is interesting is it's almost because it's almost not like he's being forced to change his ways. It's more so forcing him to realize who he really is that's true because because like as you know like loki even though he's the god of mischief he does all these terrible things you we see it throughout the movies that like he has these soft spots and you can see where the like the heart is in him but he wants to deny that part of himself so it's like they're not they're not so much trying to change him they're just trying to be like embrace what you actually feel that's true i like that look at you so, I pay attention sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes you remember, too. <laughs> Rude. Wait, who are you again? Wow. <laughs> so the other big thing that has been a thread throughout the show that I didn't talk about last time is Roxxon Corporation. So Roxxon was a big deal in the Amazing Spider-Man movies uh, with uh, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Yep. Uh, because they were the ones creating all his enemies, basically. Oh, yeah, that's Like, if right. you remember, there's that scene when they're walking through Roxxon, and it showed, like, the vulture wings. It showed the Doc Ock arms. Like, they oh, were developing yeah. everything. Roxxon in the comics, too, has been a huge thread. Uh, they actually had this really interesting run where... Thor had to go up against Roxxon, but it was finally, like, in my opinion, an enemy that he couldn't defeat right away because he was battling a corporation. Right. That's, like, the most dangerous <laughs> enemy. Right? And you can't just put a hammer through a corporation. Right. Because the corporation is not a person. It is a multi... It, the corporation is an idea. Right. Think about trying to take down Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't hear you. I know. 
Alexa, no, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> um, and it turned out that Roxana was being run by a man who was actually a minotaur. <laughs> so it made it even more fun. But yeah, Roxana is a big bad throughout all the comics. So I like that we're finally seeing that coming into the movies more, into the MCU specifically. I agree. So yeah, I think this is a great show. I agree. I do have one complaint. Okay, what is it? I feel like this show is like riding Mr. Toad's Wild Ride because it keeps like going left and right and all over the place. Like, for example, we just had this whole episode where Loki and Sylvie are on the run and we're waiting to see what does this all mean? Like, where are they going to go? And then right away in the beginning of episode four, like the TVA just comes in and they're like, oh, we captured you. I'm like, wait, weren't the first three episodes all about them not being able to find Sylvie and capture her and then being on the run and then they just walk and then like, got him. <laughs> That's very true. I didn't think about that. Though, they did, so they did kind of explain that because it was the uh, extinction level event mm-hmm. and so they were searching through all of the different ones to try to find them. But I think they had been kind of focusing on that one. Um, and they're like, we're not finding anything, blah, blah, blah. And I think as it was actually about to happen is like when the radars picked them up and they're like, yeah. oh, okay, that's where they are. It was because Sylvie and Loki were getting close. They made the timeline like that branched out. It was so outrageous that two of the same being would get close that that's how they found them. But it just felt almost like it was just too it was too quick. Like yeah. there wasn't really much of a chase. It was just like. This one ended, we can't find them, and then it was just like, oh, wait, there they are. Yeah, I know the point of them running away together was for them to get close because it's driving the story right now, but it was just kind of, like, anticlimactic. Like, they got recaptured just for us to go through a whole episode just for them to find the robot time variant creators. Right. So I think there could have been a better way to get them to that point. Like, maybe they infiltrate the TVA or something. But, yeah, it's just... Not as structured, in my opinion, as WandaVision was. That's fair. That's still my favorite of all the shows. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. But then also, let's think about it this way. We're talking about Loki. I know. And we want Loki to be structured. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the one thing that's in the back of my mind where I think that this show's going to go next is like Loki has been kind of screwed over by the TVA. There's no real authority at this point that he knows of. He's running away with this band of Lokis. In the preview, we saw our Loki running for president, which is a big story in the comics. I think at this point, he's just going to be like, you know what? Who cares? I'm just going to mess stuff up as much as possible and force the authority's hand. He very much may, he very may well do that. And, you know, like he is not against like creating chaos or doing whatever he needs to, to reach his goals. Yeah. And that's what he's best at. That's what we love him for. He is chaotic and we never know what he's going to do. Absolutely. And I think that's why he's such a fun character because like he just, he always keeps you guessing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. We only have two episodes left. What? This is another short one. Yeah. No. Why did I keep doing this to me? (laughs) I love you, but I hate you, Marvel. Yes, this, the, oh my God, this show needs to be like 12 episodes. Yeah, they could have a lot of fun with this. They really could. It's almost like the Exiles storyline where the Exiles would go from reality to reality and like fix things. Mm-hmm. I can see Loki being something like that. Well, I mean, with it being that short, that would also explain why the last episode felt quote unquote rushed. Yeah, I know. It makes sense. I just wish, like you said, like, 
WandaVision felt like it took its time to be amazing, whereas like Falcon and Winter Soldier felt very rushed in the last episode. So I don't know why they're limiting themselves to these shorter series. Well, so for Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was actually okay with it being as short as it was because like Falcon and Winter Soldier almost kind of felt like filler to me. Um, like it was like, okay, this is what happened real quick. Like, did you hear that Feige? <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm just speaking my mind. I'm allowed to have an opinion. Thank you. I'm an adult. Barely. Um, so, uh, but I feel like it was like, okay, this is what happened to Sam. He has to pick up the mantle of Captain America. We knew that was going to happen. And Bucky's there too. Um, and so like, I, <laughs> I feel like when like Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't need to be elongated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like Loki and WandaVision specifically because they're leading so much into the next phase of Marvel being the multiverse, the time streams all getting messed up, blah, blah, blah. I feel like there's so much like backstory that needs to go behind that, that like, I feel like those aren't the type of shows that you can just cut off at six episodes. Yeah. Yeah, and the last thought, too, is um, some people are speculating, and I think this is a really fun idea, and I kind of hope it goes somewhere, but I kind of feel like it won't. Uh, (laughs) As kind of a nod to the original Avengers coming together because of Loki attacking just like happened in the MCU, um, Kid Loki was the reason the young Avengers came together, but he had to organize them to fight uh, King the Conqueror, like Ah. a version of King. So I think that'd be a fun idea if this kid Loki stuck around in the MCU for a while. Well, I mean, they now have all these different versions of Loki available to create story from. So I guess we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right. That's everything I have for today. I got nothing more if you got nothing more. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in this week. Please let us know how we're doing. Let us know your thoughts on Slave One or anything else we talked about today. Uh, through magichavocpro at gmail.com or through our Instagram, Marvelous Galaxy of Disney. And Alan will be back next week to uh, bring you another great show with me. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks for having me again, Sean. And we'll see you soon. Bloop, bloop.